This episode was recorded prior to the May 2nd leak of Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito's majority opinion draft, indicating that the court is poised to overturn Roe v. Wade. While progressive states like Massachusetts, California, and Connecticut moved to swiftly safeguard their residents' right to abortion, conservative Texas and Mississippi, where the SCOTUS case Dobbs v. Jackson originated, are already planning for a more draconian future, where reproductive rights could fall short of including access to Plan B and IUDs, never mind an abortion pill. We hope that what this episode of It Happened in Amherst offers is a glimmer of hope and an alternative path to the national narrative, where terminating an unwanted pregnancy is more accessible rather than less. March 10th, 2022 was an abnormally warm day at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Wind tunnels on either side of the school's towering library swept a crisp current through campus, and the snow stockpiled on sidewalks lingered from a cold front that blew through western Massachusetts only a few days before. But out from beneath the shadows of brutalist buildings, spring finally felt within reach. On the lawn beside the campus pond, a group of sophomores tossed around a frisbee. And on the steps of the student union, friends shared their lunches outdoors. Facing the same building, anchored at the junction between three of the campus's main arteries stood a preacher. Equipped with only a step stool and an easel for his poster, the evangelist attracted a small crowd of acolytes and skeptics alike. Although most who walked past the preacher dismissed him on their way to class or to the dorms or the dining hall, Sailor does not. They cannot. Sailor wraps a sheer pride flag around their shoulders like a cape and goes completely shirtless exposing the scars from their top surgery. And rather than join the herd passing through, Sailor feels compelled to stay. Like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's gonna be a threat to my safety. That's why I'm perfectly comfortable standing out here shirtless with a pride flag on. Yeah, like, I don't think he's going to hurt me, but if I can like draw his attention away from other people who might be more hurt, and if I can um, get him to say something that like, would get him um, evicted off of campus, that would be ideal. Because again, he is saying things that are harmful to a large number of marginalized students on campus. Sailor continues engrossing the preacher in a conversation about the Bible and the nature of sin and salvation and the morality of a missionary calling. They talk for two hours until at four o'clock, the evangelist folds his step stool and slides his poster into an inconspicuous black sheath before leaving. The sign, now concealed, had read in large, bold red letters, abortion, God will avenge innocent blood. I'm Rebecca Pereira, and you're listening to It Happened in Amherst. My name is Ella Adams. 
And this is It Happened in Amherst. It Happened in Amherst. It Happened in Amherst. It Happened in Amherst. For It Happened in Amherst. I'm Rebecca Pereira. I'm Emily Klein. My name is Olivia Marble. I'm Izzy D'Amico. This is Sarah Abdullahid. I'm Catherine Hurley. I'm Joey Albert. Campus preachers are a common sight at UMass. Sailor, who's a member of the queer space Stonewall Center, encountered this very preacher weekly during fall 2021, the semester UMass students returned to campus for in-person classes after a year and a half of remote learning during the COVID-19 pandemic. As students migrated back to the Pioneer Valley, so did campus evangelists. And while narratives about spiritual condemnation and eternal damnation are enduring, the issues that preachers cling to for their divisiveness change. In March of 2022, the issue on campus was abortion. New tonight, UMass Amherst plans to offer abortion medication. Abortion medication. Abortion medication. Can be taken to end a pregnancy up to 10 weeks. Student demand was a driving force behind this decision. Western Mass News reporter Kristen Burnell has the details. That's because in January of 2022, UMass administrators announced that in the fall of that year, the school would begin rolling out an extension of the reproductive health care already available at its on-campus health center. The abortion pill, a safe, uninvasive, and already widely available medication would soon become available to any pregnant person at 150 Infirmary Way. Supervising the integration of this new service is Jean Ryan, the Associate Director of Clinical Operations at University Health Services, or UHS. Uh, we, have, we have a service that's um, called Women's Health. It's been part of UHS really uh, since 1971. And we basically focus on, you know, the confidential gynecological and reproductive health. We provide many services like routine exams, including pap smears. We have follow-ups from abnormal pap smears. Uh, I mean, you name it. UMass UHS provides comprehensive medical care to its campus population. And for administrators, that means providing a variety of specialty services, in addition to routine care. Women's health services range from educational to diagnostic, from pap smears and birth control education to confidential STI and HIV testing and treatment. Founded in 1971, the center serves students, faculty, and staff at UMass, Women's Health Services has long referred students seeking abortions to regional providers in neighboring Northampton and Springfield, but Ryan feels that the time has come to cut out the third party and ensure abortion pills are accessible to students on campus through UHS directly. Somebody would come in and they would tell us that they say did a home pregnancy test like, you know, many folks will do. So first of all, the test is confirmed, right? I mean, we, we run a test to confirm that that uh, the test is accurate because home tests aren't like the tests we had at UHS. And then, you know, conversation ensues with someone. Um, obviously, it lots of questions about what would you like to do now? What are you, um, you know, do you have a plan for yourself? And then there's a conversation about what the possibilities are. And frankly, possibilities have to do with 
um, the weeks of the pregnancy um, that that the person presents with. So someone could come in and looks like they're, you know, just newly um, pregnant and somebody else could come in who several several weeks, several months, you know, the, the alternatives change for people depending about, on how pregnant they actually are. And then essentially what happens is they're, you know, they're giving written instructions and um, we would dispense the medication to the person. We would watch the person take the medication. And then we have to be available 24-7, which we already have provider coverage 24-7 anyway. And essentially the individual will feel, you know, bleeding and cramping um, after they take their second medication. So, you know, for many of us who have had periods, it basically feels like, you know, a heavy period, you know, the crampy feeling that you get, you know, with a period and people use sanitary napkins and um, heating pad and um, they can use some pain relief, uh, not aspirin, but they can utilize pain relief. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there there are the several steps. Mifepristone is a progesterone blocker that's used to terminate a pregnancy less than 10 weeks along. The abortion pill, also known as RU486, has been used in Europe since 1987 and in the United States since the year 2000. And while the two-step self-administrated procedure is not one that UHS provides yet, Ryan hopes that by fall 2022, anyone seeking an abortion at UMass will be able to secure one. Before then, the center needs to purchase a $15,000 ultrasound machine, draft procedures, and train staff to dispense the medication. UMass junior Shannon Tracy sees this expansion of healthcare infrastructure on campus to include medication abortion as a win for the entire student body. Tracy says her blood clotting disorder went untreated for months due to the absence of an ultrasound machine at UHS, and she hopes the ordeal of seeking treatment off campus is something no other student has to face. I went to UHS well, I, I, I did the minute f- nurse form online. I have, like, a coagulation disorder and, like, I had a blood clot that I'm pretty sure was superficial, which means it's, like, not, like, bad. The deep vein ones are the ones that cause, like, strokes and stuff. But um, I couldn't, they couldn't do an ultrasound and they told me I had to go to the emergency room, but I, like, didn't want to go to the emergency room for that, so I just, like, never got it treated. If you can't go to UHS and, like, you would either have to go to urgent care or the emergency room, like, urgent cares don't have ultrasounds, so, like, I would have had to go to the emergency room, which is obviously, like, a huge step up financially and just, like, time, like, commitment-wise than UHS. So I think, like, focusing on, like, more accessible medical issues, like or more accessibility for healthcare, like, on campus definitely is, like, a, a positive, like, thing. How do you feel like this might help you personally? If I was ever to become pregnant, I 100% would get an abortion, probably at UHS, like, 100%. Ryan says that the $15,000 ultrasound machine is the only purchase expenditure associated with implementing medication abortion as a reproductive health service at UHS. But still... In an age when understaffing is rampant throughout Pioneer Valley Public Transportation, UMass Dining, and the national service industry at large, ensuring that UHS staff are funded and equipped to roll out Mifepristone by the fall takes financial and logistical priority for Ryan and other administrators. I think the, the most expensive piece of this is 
number one, making sure that we have the staff that we need to do to support um, our our students and staff and faculty and anyone else who uses women's health care because it's not just students. You know, we have faculty and staff who use women's health. Is that we have the staff in place to be able to support um, this kind of service line because it requires more mm-hmm. support, more support from a provider in terms of availability and being there to ask questions, more support from a nurse, be available to ask questions, do education and training. You know, it's hmm, it's it's like buying a piece of equipment is is one thing. Creating a service line that is a sensitive situation in an individual's life and creating a service line that is that provides a needed service that is one that most people feel that they are private and handled confidentially and sensitively that's the that's the expensive work you know it's not in dollars it's in in the excellence with which we come to this and the respect frankly that we that we come to this we you know we all have great respect for the work we do and the privacy issues here Ryan and her colleagues know that by taking part in the rolling out of medication abortion at the first public university in the Commonwealth, they will lead the charge for greater reproductive health and greater accessibility to abortion care on college campuses. But from a clinical and administrative perspective, Ryan is less concerned about setting an example or even creating a historic ripple effect Instead, she says her interests lie solely in providing for the UMass campus community, which has asked for years for an option to terminate an unwanted pregnancy without leaving UMass. You know, I can't speak for other public universities. I mean, we're at the large flagship campus, so I don't know about other public universities and their ability to do what we can do. You know, we're a very large university. I don't know what the demand is for this service at other universities. I don't know how they've coordinated with local providers to provide this service. I don't know how far away um, university students are from providers. You know, I don't know any of that. That's all very particular. I mean, I think what I would say is that our patients um, have asked us to provide this for them. It's legal. It's doable. Um, and we can do it. I mean, it's simply, uh, you know, I'm not on the political spectrum here at all. I've been in healthcare for 35 years. It's simply as opportunities and innovation happen in healthcare, then it's, it behooves us as a university healthcare center to provide them. And, and that's all that we're doing. I mean, we're, the university wants us to provide this to our students and faculty and staff who are asking for it. We are, we will be capable of doing it when the time comes for us to roll out our services. And, um, you know, that's, that's how I see it. Remember when COVID first started and everyone had to go up to somebody and they'd stick a big Q-tip up to your mm. nose and swipe yes. it? Right? I mean, that's awful. How could you forget? <laughs> How could you forget, right? I mean, we all had that so awful. And now the government just sent us all, each of us, four test kits. 
we can do ourselves. And the majority of our students are testing, you know, regularly and dropping things off. So uh, this is just for, you know, point of comparison. I mean, this is a, a medication that's been around for 20 years, used safely, and our students, faculty, and staff have asked us to provide this. And we want to try to um, provide it for for them. On the next episode of It Happened in Amherst. The town of Amherst is discussing its role in the national conversation about reparative justice. The city is on the path to bring reparations for slavery and anti-Black racism to its Black community by the year 2023. Reparations are owed to our ancestors. So how do we make tribute to our ancestors? That's Dr. Emil Karshabaz a local professor who has done anti-racism work for the entirety of his career, and who now works for the town to bring municipal reparations to life. Shabazz dives into what these reparations could mean for Amherst. Next episode. Beginning in the fall of 2022, Women's Health Services at UMass Amherst will offer medication abortion as an option for terminating a pregnancy that's fewer than 10 weeks along. In doing so, the flagship campus blazes a trail for other universities to follow suit. My name is Lindsay Sabadosa, and I am the state representative for the 1st Hampshire District. UMass's plan to roll out medication abortion at its Amherst campus will make it the first public university to do so in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. But if it were up, to Representative Lindsay Sabadosa and her colleagues in the state's House of Representatives, legislation passed on Beacon Hill would allocate targeted funds to cover the cost of making abortion pills available at every public college and university in the state. Luckily, it is up to the Commonwealth's elected officials. Sabadosa's Bill H-2399 already has 52 co-sponsors, and in December of 2021, she and three other legislators embarked on a repro ride to experience and demonstrate to others the obstacles that face students seeking abortions. The bus, you know, was a little bit late, and so we missed our connection. Um, So there was, you know, a bit of an obstacle, and certainly if someone had an appointment, it would be a huge barrier uh, to making sure that you got there at the right time. But I was able to get on the bus, and then things were, you know, pretty uneventful. It's a great route down to Springfield. Um, Then when you get to Springfield, it's like, a whole different world. In Amherst, Pioneer Valley Transportation Association, or PVTA buses, pick up students at the Hagus Mall bus shelter. Academic buildings envelop the stop at the end of a grassy cul-de-sac, and two feet to the right of the bus stop's benches stands a blue light post. Blue lights are security alarms scattered across campus that, when pressed, Dispatch officers with the UMass Police Department to that location. At Sabados's second stop on her repro ride from UMass Amherst to the university's nearest Planned Parenthood in Springfield, the Northampton Academy of Music towers over passengers as they exit the bus. But her final destination in Springfield is at an actual bus terminal, facing an uninviting concrete parking lot an unfamiliar setting made more unwelcoming by anti-abortion protesters swarming the exit. 
for me, I also got to the the clinic in Springfield. And actually, when I got off the bus, there were protesters lining the sidewalk. So they came over and chatted with me and wanted to know what I was doing. And, um, you know, I did not tell them what I was up to that day. I, I just said, oh, you know, I, I missed my stop. I'm going to get back on the bus because, of course, the goal was never to go into the clinic. We didn't want to um, we didn't want to disturb patients accessing health care. Uh, but it was certainly interesting that when someone gets off at that bus stop, they are they are questioned by the people who are standing out front as to what they're doing and why they're there. Representative Sabadosa hopes momentum from previous reproductive health initiatives will carry her bill over the finish line. MassHealth, the state's Medicaid program, as well as student health plans, cover the $730 cost of medication abortions. So I think people have sort of exercised that muscle of understanding reproductive health care, and that is useful uh, in trying to push this bill forward as well. Um, although I will say, in some respects, this bill is also about bolstering healthcare infrastructure at uh, colleges across the Commonwealth, at, at public colleges across the Commonwealth. And so that is a, a slightly different take. I mean, we are um, really trying to say that abortion is part of health care, and therefore, when campuses are offered health care, they should also offer abortion care. The UMass administrators I've spoken to have emphasized and repeatedly reinforced the idea that rolling out an abortion pill at a campus health center is nothing radical. The pill is nothing new. Reproductive health services on campus are nothing new. And making medication abortion available on campus is merely an extension of services the school already provides. I think that... um for students, particularly, you know, maybe traditionally aged students who their entire life, they have seen nothing but but fighting over abortion. And they have seen presidential candidates say absolutely horrific, medically inaccurate, untrue statements about abortion. While it may feel radical, it is actually not at all radical. Offering people health care is not radical. We should, we should, first of all, not be afraid to say the word abortion. We should not be afraid to seek out abortion care. We should not be afraid to offer abortion care. It, this is just part of health care. I, I appreciate that the campus centers are saying this is part of what we do. This is an extension of what we do because they're right. It is, it should be, and that's what we're trying to make sure happens. You've just listened to When the Pill Arrives, an episode of It Happened in Amherst. I'm Rebecca Pereira. I'm one of eight students in Dr. Kelsey Whipple's advanced podcasting class at UMass Amherst, where this podcast was produced. The music in this program was provided by Audio Mirage. And thank you to Dr. Whipple, Olivia Marble, Shannon Tracy, Representative Sabadosa, Director Ryan and WMUA's Sophie Hauck for their collaboration on this episode. And thank you for listening to It Happened in Amherst. <laughs>